For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And in this latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter, I bring you some Wasserstoff, which is German for hydrogen. And I wanted German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to at least get that much in return for his visit to Canada. Okay, sure, he also got promises. According to one newspaper, quote, the two countries will enter into an agreement to promote the expansion of Canadian hydrogen exports. Mr. Schultz and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will sign the accord in Stephenville, Newfoundland, where there are plans to build a plant that will use wind energy to produce the fuel, end quote. Yeah, just as we at CDN have plans to become taller, better looking, and more youthful. Still working on a few details. But at least our problem's not of our own making, unlike that of Germany, whose self-inflicted energy crisis, fast becoming a humanitarian as well as a geopolitical disaster, certainly is. But instead of discussing that revolting taboo subject of natural gas, quote, Mr. Schultz and his entourage are expected to focus on longer-term energy goals, end quote. Which they can afford to do, because neither they nor our Prime Minister are in the slightest danger of being personally cold or hungry this winter. So, quote, they will attempt to bolster Canadian efforts to develop renewable energy markets with a special focus on hydrogen fuel, end quote. Now, to be fair, Canada's capacity even to ship natural gas in the short run is severely limited by our own bad choices. But at least we have vast reserves of that stuff, and we produce it commercially in large amounts using proven technology, whereas hydrogen has been the fuel of the future since 1836 and always will be, and if you're tempted to object to this nonsense, you're fired. At least you are if you're longtime BC MLA and former cabinet minister John Wustad. He was just booted from the provincial Liberal caucus. And if you're not a Canadian political junkie, we should explain that in British Columbia, that party is the supposed right-wing alternative. For retweeting Greenpeace co-founder turned climate skeptic Patrick Moore's August 15th tweet saying, quote, no net warming in Australia for the past 10 years, and the Great Barrier Reef has more coral cover this year than ever recorded, the case for CO2 being the control knob of global temperature gets weaker every day, end quote. Those are all true statements. Rustad's only mistake was not realizing that one may not hold heterodox opinions in this country, even when based on facts, especially on climate. New BC Liberal Party leader Kevin Falcon, not exactly a household name, tweet groveled, quote, Let me be clear, climate change is one of the most critical threats facing our future. John Rustad for BC does not speak on behalf of caucus on this issue, end quote. Okay, but he never claimed to. He wasn't the party critic on climate change. And can't he speak on behalf of his constituents, himself, or the truth? No, because it might lead to open debate, which is a slippery slope to more information and better policy. Terrible. Still, you know the cliché that if knowledge can be painful, ignorance can be dangerous. If, for instance, you're one of those chumps who sought to dramatize the melting of the Arctic due to you-know-what by kayaking or paddleboarding the wide-open, sunlit expanse of the Northwest Passage. They're not the first to find Arctic in the Arctic, despite what newspapers and alarmists predicto claimed. And thus, alas, just 260 miles into the latest epic 1864-mile journey, the final two so-called Arctic cowboys threw in the kayak paddle on August 18th because the weather was so icy and hostile. A third female cowperson had quit earlier. While solo paddleboarder Carl Kruger stepped off after just 15 days and 420 miles. It's the sort of thing that happens if you fire anyone who raises questions. And it's also proof, for those who keep insisting that climate change is a hoax, that the people who claim to believe in it really do believe in it and act on their beliefs. If they were faking it, they'd avoid such obvious embarrassments. In the newsletter, we also comment that concepts like efficiency often get a bad rap as Scrooge-like obsessions with money when people's lives and happiness are at stake. 
But efficiency just means getting the most good stuff we can from the available resources, from necessities like food and shelter, to entertainment and hobbies without which life would be sadly incomplete. And for evidence, look no further than a recent Reuters story that, quote, Britain faces humanitarian crisis as energy costs soar, says health lobby, end quote. All because alternative energy isn't as efficient as fossil fuels. Quote, Britain's average annual household energy bills, covering both gas and electricity, look set to double again to more than £4,000, $4,766 by January, exacerbating inflation, which already topped 10% in July, end quote. So, going out on a limb here, what is needed there is to deregulate energy markets, stop subsidizing things that don't work, and repeal Britain's fracking ban. Oh, and stop hallucinating. Especially since in Ontario, if you have that problem, you can't see your doctor, you are your doctor. An alert reader sends us the information that the Ontario Medical Association just proclaimed that, quote, doctors are trained to evaluate science, and science proves that human-made climate change is a reality. We have seen the heightened effects of climate change across the planet through extreme weather, crop failure, and the burning of forests, end quote. No. No, you have not. Because extreme weather is not increasing, crops are not failing, here are a couple of charts of Canadian production, and Ontario forests are no more likely to burn today than in 1974. Somewhat less so, in fact. The only good news here is that perhaps as the Canadian health system collapses under its own socialist weight, if your doctor's off claiming to draw conclusions from evidence they haven't even looked at, perhaps the weatherman can give you an opinion on that cough. Here I'm going to interrupt myself, without even banjo music, to tell you a fundraising pitch is coming, to thank everybody who's already supporting the channel, and to ask the rest of you to step up with a small pledge or a big one, monthly if you can manage it, by clicking here so that we can continue to produce the videos and the newsletter. There's a lot that goes into it, researching, writing the scripts, video production, and we'd also like to expand our presence on other social networks. That is a big part of getting the message out these days. And by the way, for those of you who've been wondering, yes, we are on Rumble as Climate DN, but there's a lot of other places we need to be. That takes time and effort, and time and effort take money. So again, click here, $3 a month, $5 a month, more if you can afford it, and we'll keep bringing sanity to the climate debate across platforms. And now, back to the show. And speaking of evidence, on August 4th, NBC warned that, quote, 73 million people under heat alerts as high temperatures expanded in the Northeast, record highs are expected to be broken in Philadelphia, Boston, and Albany, New York, end quote. Except, in fact, Philly set its all-time heat record in 1936, and tied it in 1966, while Boston's was on Independence Day in... 1911? And down in Albany, it was those dang 1930s again, July 9, 1936. In the newsletter, we also featured another installment of our new Everybody Knows series, to which we invite you to contribute tips, with link, please, to admin at climatedn.com, in which we examine climate truisms that nobody bothers to check and that aren't true. This week, a reader points us to an NBC News story where we learn that the U.S. National Weather Service is claiming extreme heat kills more Americans than any other weather-related factor, including floods, cold, tornadoes, wind, winter, and hurricanes. Everybody knows warming is the deadliest thing, and it's getting worse and worse. Except people who actually study the question. They persistently find that extreme cold is more deadly than extreme heat. As a review in Environmental Health Perspectives put it, while, quote, isolated heat waves pose a major health risk and grab headlines when they occur, recent research has uncovered a more complex and perhaps unexpected relationship between temperature and public health. On the whole, far more deaths occur in cold weather than in hot, end quote. 
Moreover, quote, an analysis by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, of U.S. temperature-related deaths between 2006 and 2010 showed that 63% were attributable to cold exposure, while only 31% were attributable to heat exposure, end quote. And of course, the U.S. has some very hot parts, as does Australia, though the U.K. doesn't, despite recent headlines. But, quote, in Australia and the United Kingdom, cold-related mortality between 1993 and 2006 exceeded heat-related mortality by an even greater margin. Researchers who evaluated 74 million UK and US deaths reported in May 2015 that low temperatures are associated with 7.3% of all deaths versus just 0.4% for high temperatures, a ratio of more than 18 to 1, end quote. And there's more where that came from, if anyone bothers to look. In the newsletter, we also note that when Typhoon Haiyan hit the Philippines in 2013 and killed thousands of people, it coincided with a global climate conference in Warsaw, Poland, where lead Philippine delegate Yeb Sanner declared, quote, What my country is going through as a result of this extreme climate event is madness. The climate crisis is madness. We can stop this madness right here in Warsaw, end quote. But that's not right. It is possible to do something major about the deadliness of natural disasters by promoting economic growth rather than suppressing the energy on which growth depends. But you can't do anything about an increase in typhoons because, in fact, they've been trending down in the Pacific since the 1950s. In the newsletter, we also, as usual, dip into the CO2Science.org archive and come up with cabbage and lettuce. Could be soybeans. Specifically, Chinese cabbage, Brassica chinensis, and lettuce, Lactusia sativa. And you'd never guess, unless you were, say, CDN viewers, that yet again, plant food benefits plants. They wound up bigger and had more antioxidants. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'd like to see hydrogen do that.